may hand the mic, thank you. <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, by the way, you need to fulfill a new date. I'm still waiting for my water bottle, by the way. So just, just so you know. That's uh, Marlon and I, we have a discussion about the water bottle, which he, Timothy House branded bottle. Um, so that's the issue there. I just want to say, uh, starting off, I just want to honor the, the ministries in the church. So the reason why I'm saying that this has been such a, a, a lekker time. Friday night, meet Imane. George, I see a business opportunity with your little lichies there in the back. There could be as an engagement venue, a wedding venue. If you haven't been to George's house, there's little lichies. It spans across the, the backyard and there's a swing, which I almost fell into your pool, by the way, as a result of that. But George, business opportunity. David, you made the wings. Brian again, my brother, and uh, Mr. Carr's Vossi's connection. So there's a couple of business opportunities. But it, it was such a good time spending together with the men on Friday nights. If you, if you didn't sign up, Please, I'm sure there will be opportunities to sign up. Men, it's important for us to get together. Just men. Where we get to engage, where we get to talk, where we get to be real, where we get to unpack, um, encourage each other, scale each other, as Jordan, uh, Jordan, as George said. Sometimes you get to like a club. A spiritual club, a good Christian club, not a dodgy club. But um, it was such a powerful, powerful time. And then also the other ministry I just want to highlight is the intercessory ministry. So... Um, I had the privilege of these past two weeks, uh, solo parenting, yay. My froki was George last week, and this week was Josie. Um, I, I did have help. It's not like I was completely on my own. My mom helped from time to time. Um, but uh, sleep was in short supply, let's put it that way, because my kids are what we call active sleepers. <laughs> they actively keep you awake. They actively keep you awake. So they've got like some sort of global positioning system where they can target your ribs. Because they're like... <laughs> Or they on your face. Um, but it was, it was time this week because I knew I'm preaching this Sunday and I was just exhausted. There was just a lot, lot of stuff happening. And it was, it was actually Tuesday morning, five, half past five in the morning. I was like, Lord, I'm, I'm going to speak to your people this weekend. I'm tired. Holy Spirit, just fall afresh on me. Those are my words, fall afresh on me. I wake up later on, I get a message via WhatsApp from my connection. The intercessories. I won't mention because then you also want my connection. So I'll just keep quiet. Actually, it was Christy, by the way, just so you know. It's my connection. Message me, and the song she sent me was Bethel Fall Afresh. And she said, God was just speaking to her just to encourage you. And there's been many occasions where Christy has, you know, listened to the Lord. Um, and I just want to encourage you, like, what, what I felt in that moment was I feel safe. My family is covered and protected. People are involved in our lives. And to be part of a community that does that is, it's, it is, it is beautiful. And so if, I would encourage each and every one of you, if you hear from the Lord to encourage someone else, you never know what your obedience will do, yeah. what it means to someone else. So whether you feel uncomfortable or like, this, Lord, this is a weird thing. Why am I? Just do it. Just do it. And like, as you can see with all the stuff that we do, we are a church that we also we love being in people's lives. So, and it'll be a church that cares. So if you're not connected with, with people, please do find someone to connect with. And I'm sure we can chat to Mon and you can chat to anyone. So chat to Didi as well. Like, please get connected. There's something important about being in a community that cares and to protect you. So I felt, I felt chuffed. Like, God, I, I prayed to you in my tired state. You spoke to Christy. It was just, it was just so powerful. It was just so powerful. So um, my encouragement, please. And also don't mess with the intercessors. They'll pray for you. So, so... Anyways, 
Um, yeah, so this morning we're continuing the series, the worship series. Is this mic too loud? Is it, is it fine? Okay. It just feels loud. It's weird. As a worship perspective, you sing so liquor, now it feels like it's loud. Um, but this morning we're continuing the worship series, and I felt so encouraged and, and challenged um, in preparing for this word. And the scripture that popped up was in the book of Matthew, speaking about when Jesus goes into the temple. And he says, my house will be a house of prayer. Um, and the title of the sermon, if you just pop up there, um, would be, my house will be a house of, and that's an ellipsis at the end, dot, dot, dot. In other words, it's a you decide moment. What will your house be? And within the scripture, they're talking about a physical place, but also a spiritual place. But the question to me was, or question posed to me by God was, what house, what is your house like? What will your house be? What will your house be? And, and I was like, okay, Lord, okay, okay. Uh, I'll decide, uh, I'll get there, Lord. It should be a house of prayer, Lord. It should be a house, it's, a house, it's your house. But God just went deep and just unpack many few things. But before we go into what it is, just a quick recap. So, I mean, the things that we were covering for the past few weeks, I mean, Tim was mentioning, and I, uh, I went to do some more research to get the right points of what Tim was saying. And, um, even though I was here, literally, I was in the sermon, I didn't make notes. But, um, but the prior weeks, if you, if you noticed, the thread that was, being, that was flowing through was an authenticity in worship. Worship and revival. And the one thing that really stood out for me was revival without transformation doesn't work. Discipleship without transformation doesn't work. With any, anything without discipleship is just a good conversation. And worship in all, and this church is deeply on the path of discipleship where we get into people's lives because it's not just words that you want to speak from a pulpit or kind words that you want to share from time to time, but we actually want to get into the nitty-gritties of living life together and walking life together. So, and true transformation and true revival without an action a step forward with people is just a nice experience. And we're not a church of going from experience to experience, from moment to moment. We are a church that is consistent, that believes in consistency, that believes, yeah, so I'm excited about that. Last week we had a Whirlwind over time. Those of you weren't, if you weren't here, come next time. Next time. Next time. <laughs> Last week was so powerful. It was powerful. It was so freeing. Uh, and if you missed this, uh, the video will be up soon. I promise. This week it will be up soon. Yes, yeah, I know you're waiting. Uh, solo parenting. Um, the video will be up this week. Um, but it's one thing about videos that online can never truly capture the experience of being present. And I think that's also a word there. So, I mean, you can't live vicariously through your phone. You should be present in the moment. So, so park your phones, me included, park your phone and be present in the moment. And let God speak to you here, not necessarily through the phone. But so you'll have a video up and you'll, and you'll watch it and it'll be, it'll be nice. But there was something powerful about being present in the house of God. And I would encourage you, do come to church. Yeah, we hear you. We hear you. Um, do come to church. Be present. There's something about rubbing shoulders with your, with your family, with the people you're worshiping together. There's something that gets unlocked when you're being here in the presence of God. And so like last week, the few things that, that stood out there was um, movement, the act of worship. Just breathing is an act of worship. Just being present. Just being here. You don't have to do the crazy dance moves. If you don't have rhythm, that's fine. That's the way God created you. There's a different kind of rhythm. You're the, the stationary rhythm. That requires you on the three and the four and the, not on the one and the, one. anyways, let's not go there. Um, there's a call to be in his presence, to be in the presence of, of the Lord. 
Worship requires a physical response. There's actually a physical response. Whether that is breathing, whether... um, Yeah, it requires a physical response. And also, lastly, when we get out of our way, we get out of his way and allow him to meet with us in a very real way. Because sometimes we are the problem. And I say we, I'm included in the we. To some of you, it's we. Sometimes we get in, our, we get in the way. Whether we feel uncomfortable, whether, the, whether it feels like, it's just, Lord, I'm just not worthy. Whether those random naughty thoughts, which is not from the Lord, when that gets in the way, that means we are in our way. Um, and so God's asking us just to stop, get out of the way. So allow me to, to do the work and allow me to get in the way and allow him to, to, to meet with us. So I was just so encouraged this week. And so I'm going to give you a few worship-isms. I call it worship-isms. Worship is, if you can pop it up the first, the first one. Worship is not a millstone of works, but an invitation into life. It's not a millstone of works. Now, if you know what a millstone is, it's the thing that they tie around the neck. But sometimes people can view worship as, like, I must do worship, I must do, 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 do. And it can be unnecessary, it can be tired, I, I, I don't have lists. That's the best way to put it. I don't have lists for worship today. There's one pastor that said, you get the lists for the folky. That's not what we mean. We do have lists for the folk. We do have, the folk is the people. And don't list, they don't want to be here. But sometimes we view worship and the act of singing, the act of being present in the house of God, it can be like a millstone because you're not in that space where you want to be actively engaging with God. But actually... If you realize, if you push past and see that I'm going to do this, when I'm doing it, there's something on the other side, it's actually an invitation to freedom. It's actually saying, come to me, all you are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But there's a coming that needs to happen. So the millstone actually becomes a doorway, an opportunity. So I know I have these many opportunities where I've come to church. I've been, I just don't have a list to worship. I just, it's, it, was a, it was a tough time to get to, to church. But there's something about pushing through. So it's not a millstone. It's actually an invitation into life. And um, I, I, was, I, was, I was born Anglican. I was raised in an Anglican church. Born Anglican, is that okay? Yes. My master died. My mother and my father are here. Also Anglican. Proud uh, All Saints Belar. Or um, moved to St. Mary Magdalene, extension 13 Belar. Us here. Yes. Uh, we knew all the liturgy, the bells, and smell. I, I didn't get to do the whole thing. The incense. You know, your, your clothes smell like incense at the end of the, of the service. Um, but I grew up in the Anglican church. So we knew liturgy. We knew order of service. We knew uh, uh, songs of fellowship. We knew the, the, the blue book. I've seen some Anglicans getting excited about the book here. <laughs> calm, calm down, calm down. Yes, the Bible is the, it's the, it's the Bible. But, you know, and finally, that one thing I, re- I realized is that, you know, the books in the back of the pews, no one stole the books. Yet other things get stolen in church. That stuff, you, you, every Sunday you get there, that book's there, never stolen, never. It was one of those, the marvel of physics, marvel of physics. But there's something beautiful I, I later come to understand and I later come to experience after leaving the Anglican church, moving to more charismatic church, and then going further to study, study theology, is that visiting now, looking back at the Anglican church, seeing the liturgy, seeing the order of service, seeing the the traditions, it's so powerful and so beautiful and it was designed to point us to the Father. It was designed for us to look towards Him. And so throwing the baby out of the bathwater is a bad idea. And I think that's the purpose of the Tenebrae service 
in particular, because you're probably wondering what is a tenderbrace service. I do encourage you, Google it. I don't have the definition here, uh, but it's, the purpose of it is just to recalibrate us to, to what is the purpose of this weekend. It's to stop. It is to, it's to, to really immerse ourselves in the death of Jesus. Because there was a death. He died the death that we should have died so we can live the life. That we, yeah? So the, there is a dying and a mourning that needs to take place inside of us, a remembrance of that. And so that's what the Tenebrae service is. So I do encourage you to please do come to it. It's, a, it's an amazing experience. In the Anglican Church, who remembers taking off all the stations of the cross, removing all the pictures. The church was bare at the end of that service, and you're like, what? Where are they taking it? And then on Sunday, then they put it all back. Um, but the beauty of in the Anglican Church was obviously experiencing the liturgy and, 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 and the traditions and the, the power of that. So then... As a young boy in the church, it was a millstone for me because I didn't understand. I was like, why? My, why was he kneel? Why, was, why do I only get a piece of a wafer? And the other people are having other things. You know, why are we standing and sitting down, standing and sitting down? Why must we go shake, a, shake, a, shake the hand of the person next to you? And they do sing that song. I can't even remember it now anymore. But there was a, the, the, the order of service was designed for us, for us to shake off all those things so we can get to the point where we just engage with God. And I, I can only imagine it is for all the other types of churches that there are, the Baptist church, the Methodist church, the Lutheran church, all these churches, the service is designed for us to engage with God. Secondly, worship speaks to the soul and guides our emotions and moves our physical body to respond as he wants us to. So like I mentioned earlier, so even if we don't feel like it, we don't feel like coming to church. We don't feel like worshiping God. There's something when we decide to relinquish and say, God, I, and I should be honest with God. God, I get to get to listen, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to sing anyway. And it may not be the greatest offering unto you, Lord, but it's, it's all I have. It's all I have. And there's something about when you let go and allow God to step in. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at your situation is not that bad. Or a solution comes in worship. Or you break down in the release of that emotions. But there is a movement that has taken place when you decide to, to let go. And thirdly, worship enables us to be present in life. Um, and that's, I've been encouraged and I've been on this journey of being more present and being aware of his presence. And the, the challenge of it is and in my mind, it's a bit of a convoluted point I'm going to bring across but I'll try my best. Said, so as we engage him more and more, we let go and we become more and more aware of his presence. He makes us more and more aware of what he wants to do on the earth, which means we are more and more aware of our surroundings and the people. So in other words, the potential concept or the potential confusion is, God, I'm diving into you, so therefore the world doesn't matter. The problem with that is we become disconnected to reality. We live in a world. We don't live on a cloud. We don't live in a bubble. We don't float to church. We drive to church. We walk to church. We sometimes eat McDonald's. Not the greatest, but I mean, is it Big Mac? Uh, but we live, in the, we live in the real world. This is the reality. We go to work. We deal with horrible colleagues from time to time. And sometimes we are the horrible colleague from time to time. But this is the reality. We, are, we live in this reality. But the beautiful thing about engaging in that reality is that the starting point is, God, I'm with you. 
I let go of all my neuroses. I let go of all the things that is hindering me from engaging you and seeing you in this world. Lord, show me what you want to do. As you engage, once you break past that, God says, okay, cool. Now you and I are talking, and now I want you to go. I want you to live. I want you to be in the reality. So we as Christians, are, we, are, we are called to be as present in life as engaging in his presence. Does it make sense? My English is married to someone who is Afrikaans, so my English disappears from time to time. Just giving you a fair warning. And the Riley's teacher is Afrikaans, and I'm English, so she speaks Afrikaans to me. I speak. You hear the words, words yeah, 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 yeah. but she, uh, hey, she buys it. She buys them Afrikaans. She's like, yeah. She believes I'm Afrikaans. She believes my wife is English. How cool is that? <laughs> yes. She, she, when she sees my wife and I dig it, she turns and she starts speaking English to her, Afrikaans to me. It's such a feather in my cap. I feel, you know, it's amazing. It's, it's, an, it's amazing what a yesy bra, how far that goes. Um, but the scripture I want, to, I want to touch on this morning is in the book of Matthew 21, 12 to 17. And this is a beautiful scripture, which says, and I'll read it to you. It should be coming up there. In bold. Jesus went into the temple and chased out everyone who was selling and buying. He turned over tables, he turned over the tables, sorry, of the money changers and the benches of the ones who were selling doves. He told him, the scriptures say, the scriptures say, my house should be called a house of worship. But you have turned it into a place where robbers hide. Blind and lame people came to Jesus in the temple and he healed them. But the chief priests and the teachers of the law of Moses were angry when they saw his miracles. And they heard the children shouting, praise to the son of David. The men said to Jesus, don't you hear what those children are saying? Yes, I do. Jesus answered, do you know that the scriptures say children and infants will bring praises? Then Jesus left the city and went out to the village of Bethany where he spent the night. Now, this scripture was the one that just dropped in my spirit and was just you know, churning and turning and turning. And the beautiful thing about the scripture is, besides, Jesus was gangster. He's like, you know what? This is a house of prayer, and that's what it will be. And I'm going to sort this out. So he was, he was super gangster. Didn't have bodyguards? He's like, boom. Okay, he's the son of God. He can do what he wants. But, but he was fully human in that moment. Um, but he was super gangster in that moment. But... Uh, he came into the, the temple. And the funny thing, the interesting thing about the temple was I went to go dive deeper into what uh, the temple was. And the Jewish temple um, was enormous. It was huge. Uh, it dominated the city. It was covering 100 and, well, the space it was covering around 172,000 square yards or more than 142,000 square meters. It is huge. It's massive. And there's obviously certain courts in order for you to walk through and when you enter to engage with, with, with Yahweh, with God. Um, the outer area of the temple was called the court of the Gentiles. So this is a place, the, and, and it made sense to me why Jesus did what he did, because that's the place where the market, likely, the likelihood where the marketplace was set up. But you're probably wondering, why was a marketplace at the temple? Now this makes sense to me, is that many people were coming from all around, from different parts of the world, coming, traveling in with different sets of currency. And because it was they had to buy sheep, they had to buy sacrifices to give to obviously to sacrifice to God. And this could be the annual sacrifice, the annual or the annual temple tax, as they would call it. But it says, however, the temple tax could not be paid with foreign money, 
and the several currencies, the several currencies that was being used around Israel at that time was obviously being operation. So it required money changes or bank to be set up. Because think about it this way. You go to, go to a shop, and you get the, you don't have money in your wallet, but the, and you have, want to pay with your card, and they tell you, no card facilities. The first frustration and the annoyance thereof. So why not have something on the spot which will eliminate the frustration to, obviously, to, to make sure the sale happens, similarly in this case. However, when humans got involved in this, ex, this exchange, hmm, the, why Jesus was getting upset is because they were start, humans were started overcharging. You, you want the goat? That's normally this amount of money I'm going to extra on the side in order to secure the, the animal for the sacrifice. So immediately in this place of worship, which is meant to be a house of worship, the focus is on God. Now we have this nonsense happening in, in, the, in the front place. And obviously, I think also to a large extent, why couldn't they move the, the bank outside of the court? Why didn't they have to be inside the court? But I understand convenience, likelihood, you just there, pay your money, and you go in. And so when Jesus is coming into the courts, he's obviously appalled by this because now you are, there's corruption happening in a place of purity. He's obviously going to destroy it. He said, this is a house of prayer. Why are you corrupting? Why are you causing issues here within, the, within, within this temple? How often do we find ourselves, even in small ways, corrupting the purity of our relationship with God? And I'm, uh, that's may, that may sound emotive, it may sound strong in saying corruption and the purity, but some, it's the little things. Maybe it's something you watched, maybe it's something you're involved in. It's, it's a small thing, maybe you told a lie. And for me, it's small things that could cause this disconnect between God. Or convenience. To follow God is not convenient. It requires a sacrifice. It's hard work in many ways. And the work is that you just say, God, I'm, I'm going to keep pursuing you, I'm going to keep pursuing you, I'm going to keep pursuing you. Even when you have three hours of sleep on average, and your ribs are sore because your daughter decides to between number three and number four. Uh, even if you go through life storms, it's hard. And convenience, to say, ah, I'll pick it up later. I'm currently doing a, a Bible in the Year uh, challenge on, on um, I'm an e-Bible person, so don't, don't hate. You can have your physical Bible, that's fine. But ESCOM will not rob me of the e-Bible. I've got, I've got many places. So I'm doing a, every day. You, you read the Bibles with um, Nikki Gumbel. It's the Bible in the Year challenge. Um, I've missed a few days. Confession. No judgment. I'll pick it up on the... Yes, I'll catch up on the next day. Um, but I'll still finish it. But it's convenience. Sometimes convenience gets in the way. And in this moment, so what, what stood out for me with the scripture was that Jesus was very clear what the house is meant to be. What the house is, not meant to be, what the house is. That this house is a house of prayer, where God is at the center. And any distractions that are there will be removed. So he first called it out, and then the action of actually removing it. And when he removed it, it was not like he said, okay, peace, bye, I'm out. No. He actually performed miracles. It was a solidification of what the house is. That children and the lame and the sick came to him and he healed them. So this house is not only in word that I speak that the, what this house will be, but I will show you in action what this house is. 
And what I'm speaking about today, the house of worship, house, yes, physical building. We are in a house of worship, but you and I are also houses of worship. We carry the presence of God. So maybe there's things in our life that we need to be like as ruthless as Jesus and say, here's the tables, rip it up. Jesus was ruthless. He was gangster. Maybe it's time we need to be gangster. Gangster, G-A-N-G-S-T-A. Leave the E-R, we are A, gangster. Yes. But also, be honest enough and to acknowledge what your house is. The state of your house is important. Because acknowledging where you're at is the first point in moving forward. Because honesty is key. Because Jesus knows already, so you can try and not be honest. Good luck. Be honest. And when you're honest and true, that is a starting point for God to bring healing and God to move us forward. It's the house of worship. Um, and I'm, I'm playing some videos with some exciting stuff. I want to share a bit of my journey and, and this worship journey. Um, I had the privilege of studying uh, at Cornerstone, did my degree in theology, Christian leadership. It was a fun experience. Um, <laughs> fun experience. Being on the SRC in, in, in a Christian environment, a Christian uh, institution. You don't find many Christians there sometimes. You don't, you don't. Um, but it was a beautiful experience where I got to engage with many people from different denominations, different faces, engaging with God. And the beauty of it was I got to see Jesus in so many different ways. I got to walk through the, what they call the, the dark night of the soul, the, 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 the doubting Peter, because we engage with the worship. When you, sorry, when, you with the worship. when you engage with the scriptures, with the text, the gentle Jesus, meek and mild version that you knew as a child is no more. Jesus is beyond the gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Look upon the little child. I haven't said it in a while. I haven't said that night prayer in a while. He's a robust God. He's a gangster God. He's a God who's both expansive and and rough, but also gentle and kind. He's a God who's involved, yet he sits on high. He's a God who's both holy, but he's willing to get into the mess. And we serve a God who's, who lives with that dichotomy, lives with that, 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 that worldview, that challenging worldview. How God can you be both lion and lamb? How can you be both things at the same time? He says, well, I'm God, and yes, both can be true. I can be true. So, I won't be too long, because uh, I believe there's lunch that needs to be made. But point number one, <laughs> point number one, Jesus at the center. A house that is not built on Jesus is a house that is restricted to moments of hype, and glimpses of his presence living from moment to moment. When Jesus is not the center of our focus, the center of our foundation, we will always be searching for him. We will always be on the search for him. And let me just clarify or quantify or let's bring that in that. <laughs> we will always be searching for Jesus because we will never have the fullness of who he is. So let me be clear. So there is a, there's an element of searching that we will always have to do. Sometimes you don't feel like, like yes. Sometimes, we, like I said, we don't feel good, we don't feel great, then there's a search in God, I don't feel great, I need you to come. So he feels distant. But what I'm talking about over here is that if God is not the center at all, you'll always be looking for moments to experience him because that will make you feel like I'm connected to him. But once the moment is gone and you've got your fix, you walk away and you return to your old life. So you'll always be searching from moment to moment to moment to moment to validate your relationship with him. Not realizing that if you just have him as the center, it's a different starting point. So when we worship him in song, in work, work, by the way, is also worship, just so you know. When you're working and you're engaging with a tough, 
um, colleague that is worship Lord Jesus. You just keep keep my mouth, keep my mouth. I've got I've got a, I've got sticky notes by my desk, and I, the, the Proverbs one is um, the heart. Um, yes. So, sorry, Jose. What is it? No, no, no. I was guard my heart. Yeah, yeah. It's the guard your heart one, but it's like. Yes, um, but when Jesus is the center of your center of your worship, when Jesus is the center of your life, sorry, you will not be moving from moment to moment to validate your relationship. It's more from moment to moment. God, what are you doing? And ex- um, one such example of this is uh, the Exodus, Exodus sixteen one to four. The Israelites in the Exodus, and I was so engrossed in this particular portion of Scripture, is that they are now out of Egypt. Song of Miriam was sung beautifully. And I'll read the scripture. The whole, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam, 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 and came to the desert of Sin, how you say that? which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food you wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve the entire assembly to death. Now obviously as you unpack the scriptures further, God was actually doing a lesson with them and none of them actually got to experience the promised land because the next gen. But it was something about their confession. Their fear, when they confessed with their mouth, they immediately became Lord. Because their fear... And of God, but back in Egypt, we knew what we we knew what was happening there. So the the familiar became a lord and idol to them. And God was like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm still God. I've taken you out of Egypt, out of the oppression. If you just trust me. By the way, they were mumbling and grumbling, moaning and groaning, mumbling and grumbling. And yes, they were hungry. They were hungry. But when your fear becomes lord in your life, and you desire to go back to things that is that you can control and quantify and, and, and actually yeah, control. That's not when Jesus is the center of your life. And so the Exodus, this, particularly this particular part of scripture, I believe it was a moment, it was a lesson in relinquishing power, letting go. I want to let it go because my girls are here and they love Frozen. Just the song, they've never watched Frozen, they just love, let it go, let it go. Good, they're not singing good. But if you notice about what was happening in the desert, God provided everything they needed. If you read further in the scripture, they provide manna to the, to, to the exact amount of what they needed, not in excess, to what they needed. So morning and evening, he provided, them, provided for them. So the desert place is where he, want, he wants us to, to learn that he's God. But it wasn't the end goal. For the Israelites, it wasn't the end goal. The end goal was the promised land. And the promised land is abundance. And in order for you to understand and, in, and to, not control, but to work with abundance, you need to understand who God is. Because abundance to someone with God not, not as Lord becomes a millstone, it becomes a trap, it becomes open to perversion, to, to corruption. But abundance with Jesus as Lord, you, you, you can steward abundance when Jesus is the center. But here what God is doing in this to the Israelites, he was teaching them how to let go. And I will provide everything you need. You won't be hungry. The food will disappear when you wake up the next day. It won't be there. And then you'll come again and I'll bring it to you. But I'll provide exactly what you need. So you know your brain will be trained that my God provides. And you'll provide all your needs. Until such a time 
where we get into promised land and then you'll understand how to steward the promise, the, the, the provision there is. And sometimes we rob ourselves of the fulfillment of promises because we want to control. I know I'm like that. The desire to control, to engineer, to, to have things that I can manage so my anxiety is low. <laughs> so sometimes we've got we to gotta let that go because when we want to control it, we rob ourselves of the promise of stepping out in faith. And the promise of what he has, which is greater than what we can ever control, manage, package for our anxiety and our peace of mind. But he does so much greater. So when we trust in him, we move forward from moments of manner to the promised land of trust and reliance. We move from manner to trust and reliance. By the way, I didn't say physical goods. You're not getting physical goods. I'm saying you're moving to the place where he's like, God, I can fully rely on you because anything can happen and I know you've got my back and I know we are covered. So, yeah. So, um, Psalm 26 verse 8 says, Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. What a beautiful scripture. Um, Psalm 27 4 verse 5 says, One thing I ask of the Lord, sorry, one thing I ask from the Lord This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and and to seek him in his temple. For For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me up high upon the rock. When we abide in the Lord, it provides shelter, it provides perspective. So you're probably wondering, like, 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 why this pretending to worship? It's like, if you understand that Jesus as your central focus, when you're coming to him, to the temple, to the house of the Lord, and when you bring it and you lay it at his feet, you understand there's a transformation that's happening. There's a revival that's happening inside of you. And then there's a, which I'll come later, there's a commissioning that happens. Second point. I'm going to do three points, but I'm a three-point person. I didn't grow up in Baptist. I told you, Anglican. Three points. Three points. Jesus is for everyone. Worship is a reflect, sorry, it's going to be a reflection, not reflective. Darn this um, predictive text stuff. Anyways, worship is a reflection of the community it, it, it is made up of and the community it's called to serve. I'll say it again. Worship, the house of worship, the house of worship is, that's the old version, the house of worship is reflective of the community it's made up and the community it's called to serve. Revelation 7 verse 9 says, The great multitude, sorry, verse 9 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Every nation, every tribe, every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. There they are wearing white robes, and they are holding palm branches in their hand. And if you dive deeper into the Revelation scripture, particularly that scripture, all tribes, at the end, all tribes, all nations, all languages will be surrounding the throne, singing in their tongues. And this is a house of God. This house of God, we made up of many cultures, many languages. Guten Morgen. We get this dear. Jawohl, jawohl. A little bit of German there, a little bit of German. Many cultures, many languages. And that's why you're here from this stage. Come on, sweet Alexei, Come on, sweet Alexei, Die Mensen verander my Jesus nooit. Come on, for And you'll hear many more languages coming from this stage because we are a church that's made up of multicultural, multicultures, multi generations, multi languages. That's why sometimes you'll see children on the stage. 
and we're going to sing different kiddie songs. I'll say kiddie songs because of the, the, the style of song, but it's, there's no kiddie God, there's no small God, small Holy Spirit. Uh, they, we sat in the, well, there was the children's workshop thing with, um, what's his name now, that was here, Shane, Shane Cook, and he's like, there's no small, there's no mini devils. Yeah, it's all, all the same. It's all the same. So we'll be singing this. So we, so we see the picture at the end in the book of Revelations, but also the Great Commission in Matthew 28 says, go and make disciples of, of all nations. Not just some. Not just Friedenburg, Durbanville, Delahaye. You know, not just the, not just Sonica. No, 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 no. South Mitchell's Plain, everywhere. Congo, Kenya, Indonesia, Malaysia. Everywhere. So if the Great Commission on Earth is for us to go and make disciples of all nations, all nations, and at the end we see around the throne, we see all nations, our worship, surely we should be reflecting. And the beauty, and I've come to understand as I've engaged in conversation, and I'm going to play you a couple of videos of different stuff, and I'll explain that soon, is that when, when someone of a particular culture hears a song sung in their language, they're like, oh, my God is for me. It's, it's, it's for me also. And I'm, I'll say this very clearly. I'm not a firm believer in quotas. I'm a firm believer in being intentional. There's a difference. Quotas sometimes is a crutch we lean on. We must have X amounts of songs that covers this broad spectrum of you know, nation groups. But the problem with that is that is just a logistical decision. There's no heart behind it. When you're intentional, it doesn't matter when the songs do appear within a set or within when you sing, is that you're intentional because your heart is right. Your heart is for the right thing. Your heart is not to tick a box. So you won't see every week songs from every nation because that will be tiring. I can tell you, to, uh, you, you'll be schooled in many languages. That will be great, but it's hard on this end <laughs> to have songs in many languages. But just know the heart of this church is that we're intentional about it. So you will experience it from time to time. And the beautiful thing about it is when you worship in another language, you're learning a language. So when you engage with someone from that culture, you have a starting point to minister to them. Because you learned the language and you learned a worship song. We, by the way, we all know worship is scripture in song form. Many, many songs, maybe not all of them. <laughs> not all of them, let's be, let's be clear. But worship is, in song, is scripture in song form. So when you're learning it in another language, which I'll play you now, it's just something that is just so beautiful. And it opens up a door for you to engage and make disciples of all nations. Of all nations. So a house of worship needs to be reflective of the community it's made up of. Like I said, we're made up of many cultures. And also the community we're called to serve. And we are called to serve the world. So if you feel uncomfortable with many languages, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Because God, called us to, God has called us to reach, reach everyone. Not just some. Not just people you're comfortable with, not just people that you are familiar with, but you get uncomfortable with. I think the first video I'm going to play, okay, so just a caveat or an explanation of the first, I think it's the first two videos. I was, I was um, teaching at uh, YWAM, the, the course, it's a DTS course, the discipleship course in 2017. I was teaching at, it's called come again, Principles of Redeeming Culture. So that's the course. It was a three-day course. I stayed in Musenberg. I was the speaker. It was quite fun. He, he didn't want to go. So he said, I must go. He's like, no, nah, I want to sleep away from home. Nah, you go. 
So I went. <laughs> um, so it was, beautiful. it was a beautiful experience because, so it's the two different groups. So we've got South Roots, which is South Africans, and they deal specifically with the koi and the sand and how, the worship and, and how, what God is, the redeeming culture, the redeeming nature of that type of that culture, the koi, the sand. Uh, we had um, Island Breeze, which is the Polynesians. We had Samoans, Fijians, uh, Brazilians. We had quite a few people. We had quite a few people there, and so they they travel around the world and they they they, they wear the, the the traditional outfits, but they teaching people within the culture, within the Polynesian culture, about who God is and and redeeming the things that has been perverted by the enemy. So God created all things. The enemy didn't create. The enemy just perverted. So, so they came here, and it's true, like, the Polynesian culture is not perverted, the Hakka is not even perverted. It was taken over, but the enemy was just being bored and trying to pervert things. Um, same with the Koi, same with the San, same with the many cultures and, and, and indigenous people that are from this nation. We're all indigenous, by the way, but anyways, let's not even go there, it's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but the enemy came to pervert it and make it dirty and frowned upon. So when we sing songs in our own language, it feels uncomfortable because we're only used to English, Western, foreign English from a particular set of people, and that's what we've determined as Christian. And that's the problem. The enemy is using that so rife, and so, so he's got that so nicely, the, the, the division of cultures. But the problem is that we feel uncomfortable singing songs like Komos Fieras now. Even the P, the O, the W, the E, and the R, the power. Yeah. Um, and so the key thing is that do not allow the enemy to continue this divisive tactic. But God created all things. So if I look at my, the scriptures, if I look at the text, and I see at the end, we're all at the throne, then I'm embracing everyone on the earth. Because if I'm seeing it there with God, it must be right. So who am I to say No. And so anyways, I was there with this uh, amazing young group of young people, crazy people. And so the first one I'm going to play is a song. It's a worship song. We were all worshiping together. It's about 23 minutes, 23 seconds long, not 23 minutes, 23 <laughs> seconds long. So I'll play that first one. And um, we'll play it to the end, but it'll be cool if you can freeze frame at the end of it. I think the, the words come on the, on the video. I was filming bad, trying to film and worship at the same time. It's impossible. Um, so let's play the first one. Play number three after this, but I'll, I'll let you know. So, yeah, so that was a worship experience. Uh, they were, we were singing different um, songs in different cultures, and that was the Polynesian song, one of the stuff they worship. It's powerful. Do you think it was beautiful? Those people are gifted. It, it, who's heard of the Katinas? It's them people. Harmonies are not a problem for them. And they just jump in straight, mm, and it's smooth, and it's like, you makes you want to worship because then you, you're like, I can't see. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to sing. No, no. Those moments you just be still and say, Lord, I'm, mm, mm. just be still. Mm. 
Just, just do that because we, if you want to sing with them, you're like, oh my word. But I say, that's why the phone, mm, you can film, film the moment, capture the moment. But it was beautiful. And so they were singing. And it's, I, I don't know if you can, close to the end of that, uh, I'll, I'll put my hand up and you must pause. Let's play it again quickly. I want to pause just on the, the lyrics. Go the other way. There we go. Stop. Yes. And stop. Yes. You and so obviously with different cultures, there's metaphors, there's things which pertain to the culture. So something like you are the source of life. Now within the Polynesian culture, nature, source of life. Is the way in which they connect with the God. So you, the imagery with the culture gives them a chance to connect with God. Secondly, yeah, the one who has made all things. Um, yeah, my Lord. And so, obviously, I didn't get all the lyrics of that one, but it's fine. Um, and then the next one, version three, but before you play video three, I want you to bring up the translations. So the next video I'm going to play, so it was the end of the three days. They prayed for me. They gave me prophetic words. And then they honored me with a haka, which I'm going to play that as well, a haka. But it wasn't for me. They're just demonstrating what the haka is. And they gave me a, a, a beautiful necklace, a beautiful gift. But also they sang a worship song leading into the haka. So it's all together. And the translation of the lyrics and the haka. So this is the song. So it says, God, please hear us that the Son of God, Jesus, that, he, that his love and spirit will come. There is faith, there is hope, and the greatest of these is love. And the Lord hear our prayer, sorry, and, hear, and Lord hear our prayer. Trample down these things that are evil and give us your love that comes from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And bless those of us who are gathered here with all these things. Amen. And just the next one, the, the Hakka um, translation. So look and see the warriors full of hope and courage and humility, for they have chosen to walk in the light. So that's the translation of what, what, what they're doing. So uh, I. I to experience a haka been done, like, whoo, it's in front. I was panicking. You see my hand here? I was like, whoo, this is crazy. Um, but let's, let's play. Let's play. I mean, let's play. It's fine. Yeah, third one.
So the guy in the middle's name is Jordan, Jordan Gali. He's from Brazil. Uh, he married the lady that was just um, next to the older lady. <laughs> That's Auntie Olepa. She's, um, she's from Hawaii, actually. She's married to Uncle Rudy. Anyways, so he, that's what Jordan, if he's Jordan, he didn't, he, come, he stopped afterwards like, and he even smiled at me because he knew I'm standing there. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, uh. but Jordan is a really cool guy. So uh, I was blown away. Can you see the power of, of the authority they were given when they're singing in their language? There's nothing dodgy about it, nothing like you felt the presence of God because they were being authentic. Now, I'm not saying only sing in your language, I'm just saying there's power when you acknowledge. And it was just a powerful thing. I won't play the last clip because of, because of time, um, but the, just the, the last clip was I attended um, a songwriter's retreat. Well, I was, my wife and I was just asked on the last minute, join, come play with worship leaders around the, around the nation that came to. Franz Schuch, and with Rita Springer. And you've heard of Rita Springer, she wrote Defender. Hallelujah, you have saved me so much better your way. Anyways, from the Nashville. It was a songwriting competition, oh, not competition, the retreat. So we came to write together. But yeah, it's fine, I won't play that because of time. So, Jesus is for everyone. Lastly, He speaks, we respond. Worship enables us or empowers us to respond to Him. And I won't be too long in this one because then we can pray and then we can get out of here. Um, worship has, is both about capacity and, and to capacitate us. Two different words, capacity and capacitate. Capacity speaks of, or the capacity of this building, what is about 300 seats? That's how much, which, that's how much this building can hold, how many seats can be seated here. That's the, the volume, the ability for the, this place to hold people in it is 300 people. Capacitate, if you can pull up the definition there, is to make someone capable Oh, to make someone, no, it's to make someone capable of a particular action. Oh, the plug is there, yes. To make someone uh, capable of a particular action or legally competent to, to act in a particular way. Synonyms would be empower, enable, to qualify. So when we worship, God enables us to respond. He capacitates us. Beyond our capacity is what we are able to do. In other words, if you don't have lists for the folk today and you worship God, your capacity is I'm no list for the folk. That's your capacity. Minless, don't have lists for you. We're not doing this today. Mm-mm, not today. Not today, devil. Not today. When you worship God, you move from not today to His will. You, beyond what you were able to do in the beginning, because he's capacitated you to do his will. 
His capacity, you are now letting go. You have let go. So why don't we worship? In moments of time and trouble, why don't we worship? That's our greatest, one of our greatest tools, prayer and worship. Oh, by the way, just, I mean to say this at the beginning, talking about the intercessors. Prayer is to worship, is what fuel is to a car. Without fuel, you ain't going nowhere. Without prayer, worship is just nice words. Yeah? Yeah, yeah? So praying and worship is together. And sometimes worship is your prayer because you're singing, um, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're singing prayers. But worship capacitates us. When God capacitates us through worship to achieve his will, he mobilizes us. He empowers us to respond to him when he's the center of the focus. And also just another caveat because I'm about to land soon is that um, response or responding doesn't necessarily mean do either. I know it sounds really like, because I'm saying do, do, do. Responding also doesn't mean do. Sometimes respond just means stop. Cry. Selah. That's the word I'm looking for. Selah. Just, just stop. Acknowledge our fragility. Acknowledge who we are in this relationship. He is God. We are human. He is the creator of all things. You and I. His resources are far beyond ours. His worldview is far greater than ours. Just stop. So just, just acknowledge that. And so, but once, a fair warning, when you do acknowledge who he is, and you begin to stop, he will move you. He will move you and I. Because like the Israelites in the desert, the desert was not the end goal. The promised land was. Eternal dining with him. Eternal. All day, you can sit around the table. Your butt may be sore from sitting too long at the table. I'm saying we're at heaven now. We're in heaven. Sometimes you can go and chill. Um, I made a joke the other day with some friends. I said, "Hey, I'm gonna invite Peter over to my house in heaven. Peter, just come, come chill, man. Just come sit here. Let's put on the TV. Let's just watch what's happening here." But this God capacitates us. He moves us. He gives us the. He empowers us to do His will. And there's been many moments, I mean, I'm currently going through an exciting transition in life, you know, life, work-wise, and just, just, it's just an exciting opportunity for me to just sell up and allow God to move. Because when you move out of our own desire to control, we move the wrong way. But when we, our starting point is worship and say, God, you are the center, you are the focus, I stop and I listen to you. Selah. I'll move at your will and i move where you want to move. He will give you the energy he will give you the emotional capacity to move where he wants to wants you to move. So maybe you're feeling in in in, in today you're feeling just horrible. You're feeling sad. You're feeling like, God, I don't have the energy. I don't know. The first thing I think as a response. Oh, sorry. Before I get there, I, I keep forgetting my notes. One last line is that uh, this church, what we believe as a church, we help facilitate opportunities for you to encounter God for Him. To capacitate you and I. Worship moments when the word is spoken. These are all moments where this church is providing opportunities for you. Yes, to listen to the speaker, but actually for you to tune us out and listen to him. So this morning, I hope that these words were washing over your head, but more his words were settling in your heart. Because I'm saying words, but he is the one that speaks. 
So I'm creating I'm getting part of this whole thing this morning is to create opportunities to spark ideas, to spark memories of when God has been good for you, good to you and your family, and He's speaking to you and He's encouraging you. That's what's most important. This is great, but that's what's most important. The heart of this church is to facilitate and create moments where He can capacitate us to perform His will, to do His will. And worship is one key way in which this is an opportunity. So like you were young song this morning, or come on, so yeah, let's say It's a beautiful song, I love it, that's why. Come on, so yeah, let's say Die mense verander my Jesus nooit. Come on, so yeah, let's say In a few sentences we are saying that people will change, but he will never. Immediately you think, oh God, like you will never change. Okay, cool. I can trust you. I can rely on you, for you are good. So immediately you've been moved from doubt, anxiety, to he is, he is the immovable rock, the rock of which I can stand, I can rest on. So how do we respond to this? And um, the first one is repent. It's to be as vicious as Jesus, as to repent. Repent of the desire to control. I know that's me. The desire to have a, 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 a lockdown of how things ought to be. Because in those moments, I can control, I can see, I, can, I know what's coming. So if I'm relying on what's coming, you're not relying on Jesus. Small caveat, please do plan. Don't negate that. You hear what I'm saying? Do plan, do due diligence. That's why God created those things. <laughs> These are all needed. Planning, forecasting, all those things are needed. However, those are not the things we rely on. It is God whom we rely on. So let's repent of our ways, of our Israelite ways. The, only the desert Israelites, not all of them. Just, the, those ways we just wanted to control. We, we, want, we preferred the old ways because we knew what was coming. The pots of meat. The electricity. <laughs> it's come. Mm, yeah. Before COVID, before COVID has presented us with a, a, a beautiful awakening of what is real and what is true, what is, more meaning, what is meaningful. The wake up of the slumber of the sleep. The, that COVID, that, those pre-COVID days, let's repent of that. God's doing a new thing. God is doing the thing he's always doing, but also in a fresh way and drawing us in. So let's repent. Lay things down. Secondly, remove all the distractions. Be as ruthless as Jesus was. And you know what your distractions are. The, the, the distractions are different for different people. You know what they are. And even if it's the smallest things, remove them. I can't remove my kids. I really can't. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I, would. I love my kids too much. I love them way too much. I love them, especially this past two weeks you get to, when they wake up, mm, they, they're like, let it go, let it go. Like, Good morning would be the first thing you say to your father, not let it go. <laughs> Which is funny. The Lord also speaks through that. It's like, he's actually telling me, let it go. Let it go. Exactly. Every morning, let it go. Let it go. No holding back anymore. We sang it again this morning, that's why. Yes, clearly, yes. We've been dancing. Um, I love dancing with my daughters. But yeah, repent. Lay, remove all the distractions. That was number two. Number three, worship him. You've moved through a place of, now I'm no longer in control. God, you're in control. I'm removing all, all distractions and I'm just going to worship you. And then obviously, lastly, respond when he speaks. Be obedient to a response. Because if you do not respond, yeah, the cycle continues. And you wonder why things don't change. 
It's because God said, actually, you didn't hear, you didn't listen. You heard me, you just didn't listen and didn't move. So I want to encourage you this morning that make Jesus the center. Go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. People that you're afraid of. Maybe God's saying, I want you to just go talk to one. Just go talk to a person and just see. And your worldview may change. And then lastly, obviously, respond when he, when he speaks. We respond. So let's, let's close our eyes. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and your goodness. The maker of heaven and earth. The maker of all things. Lord, we just thank you that you are involved in every aspect of our lives. Whether we want you involved in anything, Lord, in everything, Father, you are at least away. And Father, waiting for us to just relinquish it to you. So Father, this morning we just let go of things that we cannot control. We let go. And we relinquish, we relinquish it all to you, Father. We do not want to adopt the Exodus Israelite tendencies, Father, that desires the old ways because it's comfortable, because it's something we knew. But Father, we dive deep into who you are and what you are doing in our lives and what you're doing in this church. Father, we dive deeper into that, Almighty God. Father, where our fears has been paramount, where our fears have been Lord in our lives, Father. Father, we remove that subscription to that Lordship, Father, and we, we take on your Lordship, Father. We submit and we kneel to you this morning. And so, Father, may our worship, when it flows through us, Father, unto you, Father, may it be so honest, so authentic, so real, Father. And so, Father, we also lay that down, Father, and when you move us, Father, when you capacitate us, Father, when you enable us, empower us, Father, to do your will, Father, may we be obedient to do so and to respond. For you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there is no other God other than you. In our lives, in this nation, in this world, there is no other God but you. So, Father, may you continue to work through this church. Holy Spirit, may you continue to make this church your home. That we will not ever experience moments, from moments to moments, Father, but this will be an ever-flowing tap. Ever-flowing, ever-flowing fountain, Father, of your presence, Father. It never, will never be from moment to moment, Father, we always trying to find, trying to find you, Father, but you are so present in this house. That this is a place where, people speak, where you speak, Father, and we listen. And Father, we want to honor you, Father, for the call on this house, the Father's house. We want to honor you, Lord Jesus, for what you're calling us to do as a community to the nations, to the community here in our surrounding areas, Father. And so, Father, we just want to thank you, Father. Thank you that you've called the Father's house Christian Fellowship to love you, to love your people. And we honor you and we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Thank you.